Planning a trip to one of the great national parks? L.L. Bean went to the experts at the National Park Foundation to get the inside scoop on which parks are the best to visit in each season. Whether you're looking for outstanding scenery, smaller crowds, or unique activities, L.L. Bean, be an outsider. To check out the full list of recommendations, visit llbean.com explore. Welcome to The Final Four is Not on the Schedule. I'm your host, Eric, alongside with expert analyst Rod. Thanks for joining us on the best MSU basketball podcast featuring an in-depth recruiting, game matchup, and post-game analysis. We dive deep to give you the best tools to enjoy the Spartans and impress your friends and family. Hey everybody, it's Eric alongside Rod here to talk about Michigan State's 70-57 win at the Breslin Center over the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. But before we begin... Let's take care of a little bit of business. First, I want to thank Corey Schwartz, who's our newest Scott Skiles supporter on Patreon. Thank you so much, Corey, and all the other supporters on Patreon who are making monthly contributions to the show. You know, I don't think I really realized, Rod, before I came onto the show in the spring. I mean, this is this is a busy show. This is a ton of episodes for you to do. And, uh, and you guys who support the show, either with one-time donations via PayPal or Venmo, or the monthly supporters... Uh, or you know, sponsoring the show, uh, it's a huge makes a huge difference. It makes it a lot easier for us to advertise and to actually get all the equipment and do all this stuff. And so, you know, thank you so much. I'm glad you appreciate the product and you think we provide a good value for you because, man, it is it is a lot of work. Uh, it's fun. It's a grind. It, it, I mean, we we are truly the grind. And thankfully, Mission State's winning a little bit now too, which makes it a lot easier to get through the grind. So, uh, if you do want to support the show, please head on over to TFFI Knots dot com slash support or just the final force on the schedule dot com slash support there you can find options and ways to support the show speaking of supporting the show talk about our sponsor nudge printing run by two michigan state alum gabe and Brittany. uh i got my uh, so i have a confession to make i went to the michigan game and it was a whiteout and i had nothing white to wear i mean i could have worn just like a random white t-shirt i suppose but I didn't have any, I had like gray stuff. I had lots of green stuff. I had no Michigan state white gear. And you know, there, you have a whiteout like every year. And I just, I guess I just never bothered getting any. So anyway, I got one, I got a white sweatshirt now from nudge printing. So I am set. It's actually, um, I don't know if you're familiar with it. You know, the great thing about nudge printing is they have all those vintage things. You know, we talked about it before where you just like these old, um, either basketball or football, like the old Gruff Sparty and stuff. And it's like this Gruff Sparty dunking a basketball. He only has like his sword and stuff. It's really pretty cool. But I kind of look at that and it, it sort of rings a bell, but I don't know if it was even before our time, that that emblem. I, I, I don't remember, but it's pretty cool. Of of Gruff Sparty with the sword? With the sword, like in a basketball dunking. Yeah, that's old. Yeah, that's like, I think, that's, 70s that's or something, right? That's long before the 70s. Yeah, yeah. so it's it's super cool. The sweatshirt's actually really nice because it's really, really soft, which you know most sweatshirts are kind of like, I don't know, stiff or just kind of bulky. So it's really kind of nice. It's, it's um, a little bit lighter weight, and so you can wear it under coats and things like that, and it's uh, pretty comfortable. So that's pretty cool. I've been very I, impressed. Uh, I, got, I got my Gruff Sparty t-shirt today, by the way, and it looks great. Yeah. I mean, you can tell it's the nice screen printing like we did with you know, our shirt and stuff. And so it, I, mm-hmm. I never paid any attention to that stuff before until talking to you about, you know, since with all your... You're your, your deep t-shirt experience. It's a big, it's a big deal. It's a big deal to the people that are buying it sometimes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's nice and durable. I also got a, um, 
a Sparty de- car decal, which I have not yet taken out of the package and put on the car. But so that's the next thing. So you can get your decals, you can get Sparty gear, and like I said before, 60 other schools or 60 total schools. All the Michigan schools, except the one in Ann Arbor, are available. As, as far as I can tell, it could be Michigan Tech, Northwoods University, uh, you know, Alma, Albion. I mean, it's like all of them. It's pretty impressive. Um, and then I guess the other thing to say is 600 five-star reviews. It, it's a great company. We're so happy to have them on as sponsors. And for listeners of the show, you can get 20% off your order if you type in the coupon code FINAL4 when you go to nudgeprinting.com. All right, so let's talk about this game with Michigan State and Rutgers. I have to admit, I was far more pessimistic about this game than you were. You were pretty optimistic about their their chances. Um, great crowd at the Breslin Center tonight. It was a little bit slow getting in, but once it filled in, they were um, into the game. Even when Michigan State was struggling early, again, sort of the same story, just a slow start the, yeah. to being the game. And especially what's surprising is, Rutgers getting lots of easy looks early in the game. The first, like, I don't know, five, six possessions. I mean, just lots of, like, layups and dunks and just kind of back cutting. And so Michigan State was just discombobulated yeah. out there. And uh, outs- then I think the then Michigan State settled in, offensively did pretty well. I mean, 12 three-pointers. So our concern about that sort of is not, well, at least my semi-concern about that. The one thing about the game that Michigan State was c- obliterated on the defensive boards, I mean... Rutgers with 18 offensive rebounds, a 43% offensive rebounding rate. And even despite that, Michigan State wins by 13 because as great as Rutgers was on the boards, they were about that bad from behind the arc. They were sitting at, you know, seven, 6% most of the game until they, until, um, uh, Spencer hit that last three with got, like 10 seconds the left. End, yeah. Right. That give them their second. So they were two yeah. of 17. I mean, they were just putrid. Uh, and then, you know, Rutgers gets lots of steals. They had eight, but Michigan State had nine. Walker and Aikens both with four. And Jackson Kohler finished with a, finished a double-double. He actually had four blocks. They didn't. They credited the last block, I think, to Hauser. So really good game from him. And all right, I'm going to read four numbers. You tell me the significance of these numbers, and this is how we'll start the, the show here. All right, 29, 31, 31, and 32. What do those numbers mean to you? 29, 31, 31, and 22. 32. And 32. Yeah. Uh, it's not coming to me immediately. What, what those, are, are the, those are the minutes played by the four starters who were averaging like 36 minutes okay. uh, a game before. Yeah. So there's rest given to – I mean, Joey Hauser only played 32. <laughs> I mean, yep. only. That's like normal starter minutes. And it sort of forced Michigan State in a number of times, I think – I don't know. I guess you just say kind of like a weird rotate. You had Sissoko and Cooper out there. Cooper playing the four, um, and, and there was also there was also to work. there was and also Kohler a stretch Cooper where too, it was right? Cooper and Kohler, yeah, right. And they at, at, with Trey Holloman, and they played well during. Yeah, that I think stretch. they even extended the lead a little bit. Just yeah, a few points. Uh, look, it was, it was, and it's it's a smart thing to point that out because. Given where MSU is, you know, again another game on Sunday, and it's on the road at <laughs> IU. So it's, it was really important to get that, those kinds of contributions from their reserves. I mean, I look at somebody like Carson Cooper, he didn't do much statistically tonight. I mean, I'm not even sure if he registered. Okay. So he had had a rebound. He had one rebound, two personal fouls and And 
He had a block. He did get credited with a block. So not a lot of contributions in nine minutes statistically, but Michigan state didn't suffer when he was out there, by the way, out there playing the four, I'm not sure if he had any minutes at the five tonight. If he did, they were brief. He did, but it was brief. You're right. And I I think that was, you know, look with Malik call out, we don't know how long it'll be. Um, I was encouraged to see, by the way, Malik going through the handshake routine around the, around the arena um, at the end of the game, looking at least like he was moving very nicely. So mm-hmm. for, for the next to nothing that's worth, but, um, <laughs> but I, I, I think even contributions like that mattered, you know, obviously Kohler is the one that has everybody stand up and take notice because it was his best game as an MSU Spartan by far. Oh, easy. I mean, when you, especially when you, you, uh, adjust for the level of opponent, you know, that's a top 25 opponent, both the worthless AP poll and the, uh, <laughs> the better metric, you know, analytical polls, um, have them in, uh, in the top 25 pretty firmly. So that was great. Uh, Trey Holloman, I thought played very well. I thought he was good defensively. He had the one nice take to the rim and finish. And I thought he was part of what was a team-wide outstanding job moving the basketball. I mean, MSU's ball movement after, you know, the last couple games, Illinois in large part because of the way they opted to play defensively. And then even in the Purdue game, I didn't feel MSU's ball movement was at quite its normal level. And to, to be effective offensively against Rutgers, you have to do that. And Michigan State did it, and Trey Holloman was a big part of that. So all three of those guys really contributed, um, and that's crucial. So I'm, I'm glad you highlighted that because I might not have started this early with that, but it is important because, you know, they're in this just what seems to be just an incredibly condensed schedule. and you got to get those main guys some blows and when you can do it and you're not suffering for it, you're not paying a price for it, which they really didn't tonight so much, the better. We had a very long preview preseason preview show for Michigan state as always. And I'm, I'm certain we did not talk about Carson Cooper playing the four this season. (laughs) No, we did. I'll tell you where we mentioned it. Not in the preview, not in the preview, but we did talk about it. Um, We had a brief discussion about the scrimmage at Tennessee. And there was some footage that showed Carson and Jackson Kohler on the floor at the same time. So I'm going to give us credit because I, I, I didn't think they'd necessarily have to go to it, but the thought was he does have exceptionally good footwork and that gives you a chance at Michigan state. Look, the, the, the deal is when he's out there at the four, the offense is not what you really ideally want it to be. Right. Because right. You now, you now only have three shooters at best. Um, and you're not going to be able to stretch the floor. It's going to make for a lot of congestion in the paint, but you know, defensively they can hang with that lineup and they did tonight. I mean, they Rutgers didn't make them pay for it. No, no, it, I mean, you could, I would say, 
watching them on offense, the first stint where they had Carson play the four, they just looked discombobulated offensively. I mean, there yeah. were there weren't as many scores out there. But the second time, it looked a little more fluid, and it looked like you know they were able to do some damage. And uh, I, I mean, it's encouraging, of course, to see that Joey can get some uh, get a blow because he was the one I'm most most worried about. Yeah, getting worn down to the nub because. You need his shooting, and you worry if he's got tired legs that he, when you need yep. him at the end of the game, you know he might not be there. So it was really good that he was able to get a lot of rest for this game. I agree. Um, that was that was a big deal. So there's a lot. There are a lot of elements of this thing to talk about, and I want to before we before we turn to the keys. So right. Um, why don't Why don't we start with Kohler? I mean, we've already referenced it, but so let me let me start actually. If that's yeah. okay. So before the game, I met with Graham Couch. We were talking about things, and 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 we were both saying, you know, it it just seems like Kohler is defensively he's been struggling. He doesn't seem to be able to have I don't know say athleticism or the footwork or whatever it is. And just you started seeing like maybe he's just not this is just not going to work out for him. And so with if there's someone who might leave, you know, if you, it's like a surprising person to leave the team, maybe not next year but the year after. Maybe Kohler's the guy, and then he just goes and <laughs> yeah, puts a double double, and all that offense we talked about for well the whole season, especially early in the season, we finally saw it today that you know six and nine from the floor, and I mean he was he was outstanding, and you know what, Rod, he can actually rebound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've I've been having that discussion with, and I don't know whether I've mentioned it here or not, but um, on on some of the uh, the message boards. Um, there's been an insistence by a handful of people that Jackson Kohler is the worst rebounding big man Tom Izzo's ever recruited. And before tonight, <laughs> I told people that was insane. That, that actually the worst one just left this off season. No, no yeah. offense to Julius Marble, but in my view, he is, and there's statistics to back that up. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's funny how against a world-beating rebounding team that was that was just kicking Michigan State's ass, who is the guy that semi-solves the problem on the defensive glass? If you had Jackson Kohler raise your hand, there won't be a lot of hands raised. <laughs> Not mine um, either, I admit, yeah. I Look, if I had been there for that conversation, I would have told you both to cool your jets. Yeah. <laughs> it's he's He's halfway through his freshman season. And, yeah. and the reason I say that, though, is is this bit yes he is not particularly athletically gifted and that creates a problem in pick and roll defense primarily but also he's he hasn't gone through a full season full off season rather of weight training and all the stuff that should allow him to at least be somewhat better in the post as well so he's getting it from every end defensively there's nothing he's been doing well defensively so far Uh, But the things that you consistently hear about him are that he wants to be great. His work ethic has not, you know, and there's been, you know, one guy that there have been questions about his work ethic this season, about how badly he wants to be good. You don't hear that about Jackson Kohler. Even when he's struggling, they've said, you know, he keeps working at it. And if you do that, the odds are that at some point he's going to get there. And the reason I say that is I have seen so many guys at Michigan state who come into the program 
and don't seem like they're going to be physically capable of doing what needs to be done at all positions. I mean, I can, I can go back and we can talk about Denzel Valentine, Bryn Forbes. I could talk about Derek Nix at the same position Jackson plays Mm -hmm. where, you know, as a freshman and, and even a sophomore, man, he couldn't play pick and roll defense to save his life. He just wasn't in good enough shape over time though. As those guys improve their bodies, but you know what the, all those guys that I just mentioned have in common is they all work their asses off. And if you do that, you will give yourself a chance to get better defensively because there are some things in terms of being able to understand how to prepare, you know, what they, what they'll talk about when they talk about getting into the scout. I, I saw Jackson Kohler interviewed. Whenever it was that maybe it was after the Illinois game, Carson yeah, Cooper had his yeah, breakout right. where he got interviewed and he talked about how he knew that what he had to do was keep getting into the scout, meaning watching, watching tape, watching video, learning tendencies, getting prepared to play the opposition the way Michigan State wants to play it. And that changes some from game to game, you know, like, for example, in the Purdue game, You might've seen because Michigan state didn't really respect Edie as a threat to slip to the basket. The big would come so far out on the hedge that he was actually parallel to Edie. He wasn't facing the basket, either basket. He was perpendicular to them because they were that hell bent on denying the ball handler, the shooter, the potential shooter. And they weren't worried about Edie rolling because he's too immobile that's a tweak, you know, but you have to be prepared to execute that. And so given what I've heard about Jackson Kohler, I'm not worried about him in the long run. Now, did I see this game coming tonight? Absolutely not. But I think he's going to get there. How good defensively he'll be. Hey, that remains to be seen, but I believe that over time he has every chance of getting to a level where he's functional. And if that happens, then all of the offensive gifts that we saw on display tonight, that starts to really, really make itself felt. Um, I, I just thought he was, here's another note on tonight. In retrospect, um, we maybe could have seen this coming at least a little bit in this respect. I think that compared to a lot of other teams MSU faces, Rutgers has a hard time really punishing you on pick and roll. And the reason I say that is the guards that they run it with either aren't good shooters, Caleb McConnell, or they just don't take the three a lot. Paul Mulcahy, even though he's pretty efficient, he doesn't shoot a lot of them. They don't seem to run much of that with, um, with spent with, uh, um, Spencer, right. You know, he's, uh, He's an off ball threat that they just, they don't get, they don't get into, into involved in pick and roll. Um, so point being, this is a game where Jackson's deficiencies there don't show up as much. And so then you're just down to pure post play and you know, he did okay. He hung in there. I mean, the shot blocks were great, but I mean, even besides that, he, I, I don't know, did Jackson, I think he got called for one foul maybe in this yeah, game. He had a, 
he had a foul. He had the one. Uh, yeah, yeah, he had the, the one, one that foul. was originally given to 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 Hauser, and then to they Hauser, awarded that's to, right. to Kohler. But yeah, I mean, I think to, the blocks were more a function of the fact that he was in a position well, right? Like absolutely. He, that absolutely. was where, why he got the blocks. Yeah, and, and so you know, not not, and I'm not trying to downplay the performance at all. It was fantastic, but this was a game in retrospect. I think you could see with the way Rutgers played that was maybe built a little more than some others for him to be able to be effective because Rutgers wasn't going to test you in the same way, you know, like say Purdue would, you know, in the Purdue game, even though he didn't play well, Braden Smith is a threat foster lawyer. If they put him in pick and roll is absolutely a threat, you know? So he's going to get on other teams that have a Wisconsin, you know, other teams that they've played recently, there was more of a test in that part of the game for him than there was tonight. Um, but man, just all the way around, I mean, what a performance. And you have to be so happy for the kid because I'm sure, I'm sure he's been going through it, even though he always seems to have an up attitude. Um, you still have to believe he's been going through some things because he's oh, yeah. used to being successful. And, yeah. you know, it's been tough. And then lately, you know, he's got, I'm sure he's been uh, likely hearing some stuff about how Carson Cooper maybe is passing him in the rotation. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, yep. none of that it can be easy, but for him to stay, to stay in it. And you didn't hear, but uh, Jim Jackson on the broadcast made a really good point in this respect too. He said the fact that Jackson Kohler, who hasn't been playing a lot was able to play 23 minutes tonight and was still fresh at the end of the game was still playing hard. That's a tribute to the work that he's obviously done keeping himself ready for this kind of moment. Right. And you can't, you can't give a kid in his situation, any bigger tribute than that, that when his number got called, he was ready. Conversely, you know, and it's never been my MO to come after kids and I'm still rooting for him yeah, and I want to see him find a way going. to turn this around. But Pierre Brooks does not look like he's been doing that. Yeah. You know, he's getting more of an opportunity or you can tell Izzo wants to give it to him and he doesn't look ready for it. Whereas Jackson was ready tonight. So hats off to Jackson while we're speaking about the five, one quick word on Marty Sissoko. Cause of course, a lot of people, um, online. I'm sure a lot of people in the gym were upset about the way that he in particular seemed to be just getting hammered on the glass. And and that's one that I I look, I don't have a good answer or excuse for. I think that, uh, Omori is a, is a very, very good player. We talked about that. We knew they were going to, as a team and him individually, we're going to come at Michigan state on the offensive glass. None of that was a surprise, but, um, even having said that, there's no excuse for it. I mean, it was just not a good day for Marty. But there game. is one yeah. thing I saw that I, I, I did notice that they're going to have to figure out here pretty quickly because it's not the first time we've seen it lately. Early in the game, you were talking about how Rutgers got off to that strong start. And a part of it was they got Omarui loose on a couple Twice. of slips. Yeah, yeah for ease of for dunks and that kid dunks. I think he's got like 40 some dunks this year. <laughs> so that's standard operating procedure for him. But 
that's not the first time of late that we've seen Mahdi taken advantage of that way. Now, I have been a big proponent of the job Mahdi Sissoko has done as a pick-and-roll defender, and I still am. I'm not off that train at all. But there is something that opponents are seeing. You know, people always talk about yeah, scouting right. tendencies, and they, and they mostly think about scouting offensive tendencies. You know, is, is a guy, you know, one-hand dominant? Um, you know, does he always want to go to his left? Uh, you know, those kinds of things, but there are defensive traits too. And I believe that opponents are picking up on that, uh, cause Illinois did it. Purdue really didn't because, uh, if I recall correctly, because again, Edie is not a, a much of a role threat. Uh, although actually now that I'm thinking about it, I think they did get no, him he, loose for he, one oh, too. He did. And I think it was yeah. early as well. Yep. So there's something that Mahdi is, is doing. And, I, you know, obviously Tom Izzo knows that, but I, they're going to have to adjust to it. I'm sure they will. Because if I see it, you know for certain well, they've yeah. seen it. Um, <laughs> for sure. So, and, and again, in a game like this one, as Jackson Kohler proved, there really wasn't a need to get overly aggressive because the guys Rutgers is running pick and roll with aren't the same kind of threats you typically see in that role. Um, so that's an adjustment Mighty's going to have to make, but I look, I'm not, I'm not worried. He had a, he had a rough night, but Mighty Sissoko over the course of the season, just as recently as the Purdue game, the job that Michigan state did on the glass against an even better rebounding team than Rutgers is was phenomenal. Yeah. And Mighty Sissoko had a big, big role in that. So if yeah, anybody's upset, trouble. Cool your jets. It's one game. Yeah. I think he just had trouble securing the ball for whatever reason. That too. Yes. There were a lot, there were a lot of balls that were jarred loose. And look, give Rutgers credit because man, Rutgers is aggressive and they oh, play yeah. hard they're, and they're physical. Yeah. They yeah, they make it tough. But yeah. he's well, still we gotta that, be better. Right? Yeah, no question. Because you're playing such great defense and then giving up second and even third opportunities in the same possession. It was maddening. Uh, you know, Absolutely yeah. maddening. That first possession in the First possession in the second half, they got four shots. Yeah. The guy behind me, he was not happy. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll bet. <laughs> and there were and there were so many fouls they weren't calling on Rutgers that <laughs> Yeah, it's I, I gotta I gotta say, um this is and, and I didn't think it was as egregious as the Purdue game by any means, but look, Rutgers is a physical team and and the statistics on the season tell us, you know, it's it's not a Wisconsin deal where officials just kind of swallow the whistle because Wisconsin is coached very well to make most of their contact below the belt. And it's apparently hard for officials to see. I, and I don't mean that in a cheating yeah, yeah. way. No. I just mean, literally they, that's how they always taught it under Bo Ryan. I believe Greg Gard does the same thing. So, you know, that in a game against Wisconsin, it's going to be physical, but yet you're probably not going to see them get called for a ton of fouls. That's not Rutgers. That's not Rutgers profile. So the fact that, that we've gone two straight home games with Michigan state, not getting any benefit of the whistle at all. It look, if, if, if the big 10 office wants to say that from now on, every game is going to be called perfectly straight up fine. I'm with it. But I just saw that game in champaign Urbana. And if I, yeah. and you know, a week ago, and yeah. if, if I'm, if I've got to accept that as the way things go, 
then there ought to be some kind of benefit that Michigan State gets at Breslin. And yeah, they just I, I, did yeah. not in these two games. They just didn't happen. I, I agree. I, I, I was telling you before, I just don't think we get a big home whistle at Breslin. And, you know, you mentioned it's the way we play. I think that probably somewhat to do with it. Yeah, but, that is that is a contributor. But but I mean, know, this team played played with more physically than Michigan State. And there was, you know, no benefit of the whistle for us. There were so many and, times you could call over the back, you know, but whatever. Yeah. And and the thing is, this Michigan State team also is, frankly, a little better at doing the kinds of things that tend to earn you calls. They go yeah. to the basket more frequently, you know, than, than especially Michigan State teams of recent vintage. So, you know, like I'll give you a prime example. A lot of people were upset. There was a lot of debate online about, I don't recall whether it was in the first half or early in the second, but there was a play where A.J. Hogard took the ball down the lane um, and uh, and it looked like there might be some contact. He missed, he missed a layup. And then Rutgers comes down the other end and a somewhat similar looking play on the surface. He gets called for the foul and you see him gesture like, what about down there? Uh, they replayed it. I didn't think there was a lot of contact. Omarui principle of verticality went straight up. He didn't chop down and make contact on AJ. There was some debate as to whether maybe he hip checked him a little bit. I didn't see that. Yeah, uh, but whatever reasonable minds can differ. But the reason I'm raising it is not to say like in the Purdue game, oh, there were just out, uh, egregious blown calls. That was one that was very debatable, but you're at home. Yeah, your history tells us you're going to get a couple of those at least. Yeah. And Michigan State didn't get it there and they just didn't get any like that. There just weren't any that not that I can recall. There weren't any plays where like, well, they got the benefit of the doubt on that one. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, um, yeah, I guess I'm trying to think what, well, you know, the other thing I was thinking about too, to kind of go back a little bit back to the five of Carson Cooper and Kohler, you know, as you see Kohler and Cooper emerge and get better and more comfortable and you start to see, I think that, I think the glimmers of not as huge weakness at the five. Like, you know, I think you can imagine the ceiling of this team maybe a little more than we thought. You know, I think we're neither of us expecting Madi to be suddenly, you know, offensive force. But boy, if you get more out of those two guys, you can you can see that as a not maybe not a strength, but certainly not a, a you know, as big a weakness or a sort of hole offensively as maybe they've been in the past. Yeah, look, here's here's the way that I think about it. And there's. There's, again, a lot of debate in Spartan land about this as recently as the Purdue game. There uh, there won't be much of it tonight, and the reason there won't be much of it is because Jackson Kohler scored 12 points, which tells you something about what the level of understanding is. At Michigan State, at least, where you have to start, if you want to really understand it, if you want to understand what Tom Izzo wants and what he sees, you start the analysis in two areas. Actually, I'm going to say three. How does your five defend? How does he rebound? And what kind of a, what kind of a screener is he? Because pick and roll is such a huge part of the MSU offense, most teams offenses these days, but definitely in East Lansing. I would submit that in those three areas, Michigan State's play at the five over the long haul, the course of this season has been reasonably good. Yeah, I agree. Because... In those three areas, Madi Sissoko has been good. 
Now it's been less good and less consistent with the other two guys, the, the two freshmen. But you know, today we saw you know Carson Cooper's on like a, I don't know, a four game, three or four game run, where yeah. he's playing pretty well, doing the things, the the limited things that you're asking him to do. Uh, Jackson Kohler had a great game today, um, but I don't, I don't view it as this massive hole this year. I don't think it has been, you know, you have to now, now if, if where you want to go is, well, Michigan state should always have a center who's capable of doing those things and also being a double digit scorer. Okay, fine. You know, I, I, I guess, but I've seen Michigan state have very good teams that didn't have a player like that. That has happened. You know, yeah. they've been fortunate enough to have a lot of good guys at the five, but, um, it's not exclusively been the case. Uh, so I, I don't accept the premise that the five has been some massive, massive problem. You know, um, the simpletons way of viewing it is to say, well, the opponent's center scored X amount of points and we only got whatever we got. And there's a big gap, but that's, that's a, that's a simpleton's understanding of the game. You know, there's a lot more to it than that. And as I say, I, I, so I don't accept that it's been a massive problem by any means. And, and I think it continues to have the potential to get better for the reasons that we've been talking about that you're starting to see these freshmen, not that it's going to be a perfectly pure, smooth, linear, you know, hockey stick move up you know, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. for those two exactly. guys, but they're, they're showing you signs of what they're capable of doing in different ways, but, but they're both showing it. So you put that together and maybe you get some of the recent defensive inconsistency out of Madi. you know, the rebounding thing, again, it, look, he was terrible tonight. There's no debating it, but I've only got to go back three days to see him. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, in a game where Edie had as many rebounds as he had, look at the team statistics and understand what kind of role Madi Sissoko played in that, in Michigan State battling that team to a standstill on the glass. So I don't have to go very far back to see him doing the job that he's done most of this year. So I'm not going to let one game throw me into a panic about Madi Sissoko as a rebounder um, or as a defender because he struggled in both areas today but he won't the rest of the way that much. I can assure you. Yeah. Well, we hit the track record. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, talking about the guards play today, it's, it's almost something you don't even talk about because it's just so consistent. AJ seven assists, four turnovers, a couple of those turnovers were kind of boneheaded, but still played a pretty solid game from the floor. He had led the team oh, to yeah. scoring 16 points, three of five from three, which was surprised, especially even hit the hand grenade shot five of six from the line. Played 31 minutes, and I thought, you know, this is one of Jaden Aikens after that first stint on the floor, which was he was pretty terrible, the first, uh, you know, four minutes or whatever it was. After that, he was pr pretty great in defense. Before steals, he had he had a three threes. He was three of six from three, uh, five rebounds, two of them offensive, four assists, a turnover, I mean, and a block. And that where he picked McKay's pocket and ran down it. And then what's so impressive is when someone can dribble – and still run faster than a guy who's got no ball to carry <laughs> to, to handle. That's, that's so right. impressive what he did. 
that is that is a a very rare ability um yeah i really like Jaden's game tonight and and the team as a whole what i thought was interesting you know we talked about it in the pregame that listen ruckers forces turnovers i mean they're aggressive defensively they generate a lot of steals michigan state you got to be strong with the ball and i thought they were pretty good in that way what we what i didn't see coming because we haven't seen it for a long time we we talked about this at the start of the year that boy this michigan state team looks like it might be capable of generating more forced turnovers than we typically see because they've got guys tyson walker we all know about but akins was showing signs of it hogard shows signs of it holloman shows signs of it i i really did think well they might be able to generate more of those forced turnovers than we usually see out of an msu defense because it happened early and then it kind of stopped happening maybe in conjunction with akins getting hurt i think but, that, i think that had a lot to do with it yeah but man was it evident tonight i mean that was as aggressive a michigan state defense whatever you want to say about the defensive rebounding effort and how rutgers kind of punked msu there and uh, on its offensive glass and i'm not going to disagree especially early but um Man, was Michigan State aggressive defensively. Yeah, that, I, that, it, it was last huge. Six minutes, the last six minutes is where they just tightened They imposed the their and, will. They yeah, they were just destroying their Rutgers. I mean, yeah, once they got up to around 10 points, it was over. I mean, Rutgers couldn't get anything going. You know, and the, I guess the other question defensively is, well, yeah, we'll talk about defense for a second again. I, you know, with when it comes to the threes for Rutgers, they had plenty of open looks. It wasn't like they oh, had yeah. nothing. But it was almost like one of those games where you you make it difficult early and then you never let the team get in rhythm. And they're just like rushing when they finally even get one that's partially open. Like Spencer, who is what, 40 plus percent shooter, 45 percent. Almost 50 percent, 47 percent. One for eight. So he won't be anymore. So he's one for eight, three for 14 from the field overall, with eight points. Uh, he was pretty terrible. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And, and even when he was open, he was missing. At that point, he was just missing them. I. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's, I will say this. I thought Michigan state over the course of 40 minutes played a very good defensive game, but they dodged several bullets with cam Spencer. That is one thing in the first half I'm talking about in the second yes, half, especially really wasn't that way, but in the first half, there were some coverage breakdowns where MSU had that kid wide open. And, and as we talked about, in the pregame, he is the one guy you cannot let get open. You've got to, somebody's got to stay with him. If you're switching, the switches have to be executed immaculately. You can't, you can't get low to sleep. You, you know, you got to be conscious of backdoor cuts, but you, you can't let that allow him to get sufficient room to get an easy look at a three. And Michigan State broke down several times. I it, it was it was stuff to do with switching. It was um, yep. mental breakdowns. Um, but they dodged several bullets. It was the it was the one thing that I thought. I don't know how much credit I can give Michigan State for this. He's just missing shots. And look, th- this happens. You know, they haven't played a lot of road games. Now he he did play a road game and hit a huge shot to nail down the winning over Purdue in West Lafayette. So it's not like he's never been in a hostile big 10 environment, 
but you know, it's when you got to do it time after time after time and, oh, you don't have to get up for one of these. You got to get up for 10 of them. Your luck may run out and his luck ran out tonight. I mean, it was just, it was a struggle for him. I think Michigan state in the second half, I'm pretty happy with the job they did, but they got lucky in the first half. They really did because he's everything else they did. I was happy with, you know, the rest of those guys that took threes, those guys want to want to load up and fire, let them. And it's funny. The only other guy who in terms of efficiency is a guy you'd worry about is Mulcahy. And he didn't even attempt any tonight, which is not surprising because he had one or two where he could have, and he still just did. Yeah. Like really- and, and he is just reticent to take that shot that may now look the fact that he's shooting 39% on the season from out there may be in part and probably is a, in part a result of him being very, uh, very cautious in terms of his shot selection, yeah. wide open but, sort of, yeah. but, um, everybody else, right. Hey, load up and fire, man. You know, and Caleb McConnell, who has been awful, had the, I think he's like 21% coming into the game, had their (laughs) only make until the last minute when Spencer finally got one to go. And he Um, had it early. He did. It was like the first two minutes of the game. And then the next 16 shots. (laughs) I will admit when I saw that one go down and the ease with, 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 with Rutgers was scoring. It, I had flashbacks to the last, now granted, both of those games I'm talking about were <laughs> at the rack, but um, I had flashbacks to those two games where Rutgers just tore them up and a, another bad shoot last year, especially another bad shooting Rutgers team couldn't miss because MSU let them get going. And, but it didn't go, it didn't go to pass that way over, over the course of 40 minutes, thankfully. But, but look, other than the way they defended Cam Spencer in the first half and they weren't made to pay for it. I thought Michigan State's defensive game was really, really good. Yeah, they were good. And and Breslin Center remains still one of the few arenas in Big Ten that Rutgers has never won in. So correct. There's hold three on to of that them. for another year. Yep. There's uh, MSU, Ohio State, and Michigan that they've never yep. won at. Everywhere else, uh, th- those streaks will be over with in short order because I think so. Uh, Steve Steve Pico, as we talked about, he's got he's got a real program there now, and they're they're just getting better. So um, I don't think those streaks are going to last much longer, but hey, glad to extend it for another year, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I'll send it as long as they let us. Uh, then the, the last thing I want to talk the other thing I was talking about with Graham Couch is he was, he said, you know, it's interesting that Rutgers was, had really good numbers this season defensively, and they were giving, I think, less than 30% from three point, uh, yes. three point line. But he said, you know, he's watched a number of games and I admit, I haven't watched a lot of Rutgers games. He said even like when like the Iowa game, he said they're they're leaving good shooters wide open a lot of these games, and the shooters just aren't hitting them. And so right. he was kind of surprised that it was twenty nine percent. And then this game, Michigan State had plenty of open looks, and they just buried them. And so it was sort of like, oh well, maybe Rutgers has just been kind of lucky for a while well, too. I mean, look, who knows? I mean, the, a lot the, of these things the, be true. The standard belief uh, in basketball analytics is that three point percentage against is a primarily a luck stat. Sure. So there he's got a point in saying that what you'd have to look at. And I, I don't recall going deeply into the numbers because frankly, Rutgers defensive profile across the board was very, very good. There was no reason to, but 
Um, the, the, the safest way of analyzing how good a team's three-point defense is, is uh, do they limit attempts, not percentage against, because teams can get hot and they're, you know, and, the, and of course the, the, the theory is, you know, when you're talking about shots from that range, you know, sometimes it could be a well-defended shot. It still falls, you know, um, right. and it can be an open shot and it doesn't fall as we were talking about with Cam Spencer, right? It's just a little more luck dependent and less consistent game to game than say the way that a team defends against twos where you can, you see, you see much more of a game to game to game consistent level, right? That's, that's the theory at least. So I would not disagree with that. I I do think though, um, Michigan state got those open threes, not so much because Rutgers was just content in giving them up. I don't think they were. It was that Michigan state really moved. The ball moved tonight. They passed their way and drove and kicked their way into open looks, you know? So they earned that. I don't think that was Rutgers just saying, Hey, if you make them, we tip the hat. Not, not the case, not my opinion. Right. No, I agree. And, but I guess you just, to, to my point is, I think that um, Rutgers was not, it was not as hard getting a shot as I thought it would be this game. You know, they were still, there are plenty of opportunities to get them up. And so, you know, I, um, and I, I remember watching the Iowa game and Iowa was really terrible for quite a while. And then and they ended up beating Rutgers, but you know, I don't know, I guess. Uh, well, I think the thing is what, what Rutgers did not do and what really their, their system is not built to do. Rutgers wasn't, wasn't selling out to take away the three. Right. So when you do that in Rutgers, despite the fact they generate a lot of turnovers, they're not like a huge, like full tilt ball pressure team either, you know? So if you allow Michigan state to run at stuff where they're not under constant duress, um, there's a reasonably good chance with the way this team can move the ball and the quality of passers that it has, like not just at the point, but all around. Um, there's a pretty good chance they're going to get a fair number of open looks, you know? So I think some of that, you just simply credit the way Michigan state played and that's, and look, that's something that's really worth celebrating in this game. Rutgers came in as the number three defensive team in the country. And I will note they pointed this out of the broadcast. I believe today has to be the first exception to this. Every other game this year they've played in. They've held their opponents under their seasonal scoring average. Well, not today. So Michigan State was able to do that just in terms of raw point totals. And then you, you look at the way that they shot 47.3% from the floor oh, against yeah. that team. That right. is phenomenal. 12, 12 for 22 from three. Look, that played a big role in it. And we, you know, we're going to talk about it again in a minute, but. You know, as we've said, the three is a big part of what MSU looks to do, and it has to be better than it's been over the last three, four games, and it was. But I can also say they were due for this. The team just shoots. They got too many good shooters to yeah, keep struggling the way that they were. So this was more or less inevitable. Yeah. All right. Why don't we uh, break for just a moment 
for an ad from a sponsor, and then we'll come back with the nudge printing keys to the game. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, so the nudge printing, keys to the game. We'll start with Cam Spencer. Cam Spencer was coming in shooting, you know, 40, 47% from three. He was averaging a lot of points a game. I think it was almost 20 points a game, wasn't it? Uh, recently. Yeah, 13.9. 14, 14 yep. a game over the course of the season, and uh, he's their leading scorer. Two and a half steals a game. He had three, so he managed to do that, but... Uh, turnover ratio. Well, he averaged three to one. He had three assists and one turnover, but he was three of 14 from the field. One of eight from three, one from one of the line. I mean, he was well neutralized. I mean, some of it was luck, like we talked about before, but they did a great job defensively and not really giving many opportunities in the second half. Yeah. I, I was, you know, as I, we talked about first half, I think MSU dodged some bullets. Second half, I think they actually earned it. I think they really checked well. You know, Jaden Aiken saw a lot of him. Uh, Tyson Walker had him a little bit. Th- those guys guarded. And um, he's a tough cover. Look, if you're if you're watching Big Ten basketball with any regularity, and you've seen Rutgers, you know this. Camp Spencer is legit. Like, he has had a great season so far. And you couldn't tell by the way things unfolded tonight because Michigan State largely did a really good job with him and when they didn't he wasn't able to cash in on opportunities he got yeah so next key to the game threes (laughs) i think no question about that michigan state is now shooting almost 38 percent as a team Uh, individually uh you know i mean when when hogarth's hitting three of five you're in trouble uh he's he's now over 30 percent he was at 27 coming to the game wow Uh, tyson walker's at 42 percent joey hauser's 41 percent Aikens is 41.0%. Uh, so, you know, the, the game certainly helped their their individual stats for the season. Uh, I mean, what can you say? They hit 12 three-pointers on uh and they shot over they, they shot over 55% from three for this game. So, I mean, you can't ask for much more than that. No, you, you certainly can't. And and look, this they were due. They were due yeah. for this. They're too good a not, shooting team. Yeah. Not necessarily making 12 of them in a game, but to shoot this kind of percentage after I thought they missed, you know, they were, they were pretty good in the second half against Purdue, but in the first half they struggled. They couldn't get anything going against Illinois because Illinois took them away. And then the Michigan game was another example of that where they had a ton of good looks. I mean, Michigan can't guard anybody and no, and Michigan state had great looks and just missed a ton of them. So 
if Air you bulldog. believe that this team has good shooters and a number of them, which I, I think we both do, then you had to believe, all right, at some point they're going to have a game that goes the other way and they're just going to go off on somebody. I wouldn't have necessarily picked that game to be Rutgers, but it was, and it was timely and they needed it. The fact that they were able to get so many shots up, so many good looks against this defense, that was very impressive in and of itself too. Totally apart from the percentage they shot was the number of them. When you, when you make 12 threes to your opponents, two for 17, I mean, that's, that's going to be very, even if the opposing team is lights out in every other respect, that's going to be really difficult to overcome. And Rutgers was not lights out in every other respect. So it ended up as an easy win for MSU on the scoreboard, at least. And I would say, you know, watching the game, I felt like there was one bad three-point attempt, and that was the one that Hogarth ended up hitting, that sort of hand grenade when, you know, the end of the shot, yep. shot clock with someone in his face. Every look was yeah, pretty were wide open. open. I mean, they're all good looks. And I feel like we don't always have that every game. And so it's you'd expect them to shoot 50-plus percent for having just basically wide-open threes. And I think a lot of it is credited to that may not even be credited from assist standpoint for Hogard, but a lot of times he'd go in the lane, draw on you know two defenders, so he'd have like three people around him, kick back out and get passed once or twice around the perimeter, and then it'd be wide open in the corner. And and I think that's where they really feasted on Rutgers to get those open threes. In, in the NHL, he'd be credited for assists on those, the hockey assists, <laughs> right. right? The pass right. that leads to the pass. But that's that's always been such a huge part of what Michigan State tries to do offensively. That's how they want to play is that kind of that high quality ball movement. And, you know, we're in situations where a guy might have a good look, but he gives it up to somebody else who gets a great one. And Michigan State had a lot of those tonight that they cashed in on where somebody had a guy. Jaden Akins did it a couple of times. Hogard did it. They had a lot of guys do it where somebody had an open look but they kicked it to someone who had an even more open look. And maybe it was a situation where somebody had an open look from two, but they kicked to somebody who was wide open from three, you know, which the math dictates that's a smart play often. Um, And Michigan state really made hay in that regard. So it was impressive. The number three key to the game was penetration. Paul McKay, he, tore Michigan State apart last year, just sitting in the lane and doing whatever he wanted to do, scoring and also then kicking out to people who hitting threes. Well, obviously they didn't hit threes today. He's got his points. He got 12 points and five of eight shooting, but didn't shoot a ton. He got in, he got in a couple, a couple of like clever, like post moves and stuff. But for the most part, he didn't do a whole lot in there. And he, you know, had four turnovers as well to go with his four assists. That was so, big. And, and they were, his were forced turnovers as well. Um, yeah, they look, they did the job. I didn't, I didn't feel like Rutgers was living in the lane at all. And, and whereas Michigan state was a lot. And that's, that was a big difference from that game at the rack last year. Well, okay. He just was murder on them. You know, he showed you some of what he can do. I mean, he had, he had one great post move in the first yeah, half. Was, I think it was yeah, Hallgard was guarding him where uh, he could sense Marty was starting to slide over. And so he just spun the opposite direction and hit a nice, you know, five, six foot bank shot. Um, look, he's a, he's a very good player. We said it in the pregame. I really like the way he plays. And I think he's very tough to deal with because of his, his vision, his ball skills and his size. 
it's a it's a tough package to contain. But uh, Michigan State, for the most part, did a really good job on him. Yeah, and I think you know when it comes to point guards, we always talk about: Do you feel like you're controlling the tempo? The sort of are you in comfort zone? And Rutgers never looked like they were comfortable on offense. It always no. kind of had a little bit of helter skelter, which probably contributed to the fact they were missing threes. You know, I mean, just they just were never they were never feeling like uh, they never looked like they were ever in any sort of good set except maybe the very first few minutes of the game. And even then they were, they were missing everything. They just were getting, you know, two, three offensive rebounds. I feel like yeah. every other possession and capitalizing on people being out of position. Uh, so yeah, I mean, hats off to Michigan state for really tamping that down. So the number four key to the game was turnovers and uh, you know, Michigan state's been sort of coming up a little bit in turnovers, double digits. They had 10 today, but they weren't, I don't think any of them led to like fast break points for uh, Rutgers. Rutgers had 11 turnovers, so there was no advantage there. And I think, you know, let's see. Nice job of not giving up the oh, you Ruck- fast break points. It's like 11 to 10 or something. Somehow advantage Rutgers, to Rutgers. Somehow Rutgers outscored Michigan State 13 to 8 in points off turnovers. But boy, it, it sure didn't feel that way to me. Well, it's just, you know, I, well, it's just like when they, when, uh, was it Purdue that scored 28 points off turnovers or something right. like that? But they didn't have any, there were like no live ball. It was not like anything actually led to turnover. It just happened like, you know, a shot clock violation. They score. <laughs> they got one, they got one or two buckets that way early during that early flurry where they got out to an eight point lead. Yes. Um, but then it stopped. And, and we did talk about that in the pregame that the problem with live ball turnovers against this team is that you could be giving them easy chances to score where they're not having to operate against half court defense. And if they have to play against set defenses, they're probably going to struggle because they don't shoot the ball well. And boy, what did we see? You know, they were going against half court defense, the vast majority of the game, and they didn't shoot well. Yeah. They're pretty terrible that way. So the fifth key to the game, which I guess will give Michigan state, I don't know. Would you give them an F plus maybe defensive rebounding? Uh, yeah, only because of Jackson Kohler. And I would say that the one thing about that, you kind of felt maybe at the end of the game, Rutgers got a little worn down because they were not they were not as effective on the offensive glass like the last five minutes. And maybe your point, maybe you're right. Maybe it's just Jackson Kohler, fresh playing twenty three, you know, only twenty three minutes. He was able to control it, corral him. And then I think part of it they just weren't giving getting shots up because Michigan State was stealing the ball a lot late too. So, but anyway, that was obviously a fail. But they had they hit enough threes and did all the other things which were necessary to get a pretty easy victory in the end. Yeah, look, I mean, Izzo will will have something to just pound on them heading into Bloomington. Um, that that performance on the defensive glass, it's a shame because it's an area, and we've talked about it a lot here. It's an area where Michigan State really needed to improve on from last the last couple seasons. And up until today, they really had. And again, you don't have to go any further back than Monday night. And the yeah. job they did against Purdue in that phase of the game was tremendous. It was a big part of why Michigan State had a chance to win that game was that Purdue was not living off second and third chances the way Rutgers did for part of tonight. You know, but but look, this is this is the Big Ten, and not every team is going to rebound on the offensive glass like this, but there are always a number of them that do. And so you do the job against one opponent, great. You got somebody else coming in next that can test you in very similar ways. And Michigan State just got just got caught by that. They got bit by that tonight. Um, 
but hopefully we're, we're going to see that as a blip on the screen. Well, Michigan State with a win uh, ties Purdue, or sorry, ties Rutgers for second place at five and three in the Big Ten as the standings are as we're recording this. Purdue at seven and one, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Michigan all at four and three, and then Illinois at four and four. Um, you know, it's a big win in the in the Big Ten standings of to keep you know maintain contact. You know, you know Malik Hall's coming back at some point. Things happen, and so uh, you know overall thoughts of the game. Well, I mean, look, it was a great, it was a great performance overall by Michigan State. A lot of good things happened. Um, you know, in terms of the Big Ten race, I, I was commenting on the Spartan Mag board about this. You know, right now in this, if you look at the standings, Purdue seems they got a two-game lead in the loss column, so they seem to be already putting a little distance between themselves and each other. And that's the way a lot of people saw it. That's what the rankings would tell you there is, is there's a significant gap, but I would remind people Purdue really could very easily, very easily have four losses in the league already. I mean, they had, they had that game against Nebraska in Lincoln where they were beaten. Um, Trying to remember who else it was that had them. There was somebody else that had them. And then, of course, the Michigan State game. So Purdue may end up with a gap between them and everybody else in the standings. But when I look at how they actually play game to game, I I could see them getting beaten on Friday at the Big Ten tournament, you know, in their first game at a quarterfinal against an eight or a nine. See, that absolutely could happen. You know, and and I think any range of possible outcomes is possible for them in the NCAA tournament, because whatever my point being, they may end up winning this thing with some ease in terms of how the standings look. But I am absolutely convinced there is not a significant gap between them and any one of a number of other teams, which would include a healthy Michigan state, by the way. Right. Um in this league. And so trying to extrapolate as to what that's going to mean for March, I, I do not have a lot of faith in the idea of Purdue being the juggernaut and everybody else kind of significantly worse than they are. I I don't think that's the case, no matter what the standings may say. You know, what's interesting about Purdue is they have 12 games remaining, obviously, and uh, eight of the seven of those that are home and five are on the road. So they are four and zero on the road in the big 10 and one and one at home. Is that strange? Yeah, it is. And, and I guess that that would be though, if, if you assume that traditional elements hold true, that would be further support for the idea. They're probably going to win the league. Um, Cause if they've got that many home games left, you know, it's, they're going to be very tough to beat West Lafayette. We know that despite the fact that Rutgers has already got them there. Um, I don't think that necessarily means that suddenly Mackey is, is vulnerable. Right. Um, but again, it does it's not going to mean very much to me in terms of how I assess them versus some other teams come March, be it in the big 10 tournament or, you know, the NCAA tournament uh, right now the big 10 is exactly the way we thought it would be Yeah, in that there isn't a whole hell of a lot of difference from team to team and even game to game. I mean, I just, as we've been recording this, I've had 
Illinois and Indiana on. And Illinois had won four straight games, had been playing well, seemed to have broken out of their funk. Meanwhile, Indiana, even though they won their last game against Wisconsin, um, that's a team that's been in turmoil. They're down two starters um, from the beginning of the season due to injury. And, boy, you just have no reason in a game in Champaign to expect anything other than an Illinois victory. Not only does Indiana win, they blow them out and dominated them really almost wire to wire. I mean, they were in control of that game about 10 minutes in, and it never really let up. So you try to figure it out. Yeah, well. <laughs> from, from, from game to game, Michigan tonight plays a Maryland team that they beat by 35 in Ann Arbor. Now, granted, you're going <laughs> on the road, but again, yeah. Maryland, a team that's been struggling mightily. And, you know, their home court advantage right now isn't what we're traditionally used to it being, because I think their fan base is still kind of reeling and trying to figure out if they can get enthused about this yeah. new era, new regime. But Michigan goes in there and gets handled. Yeah. You know, so it's just hard to see a lot of slivers of daylight between these teams. You know, the shame of it is for Michigan State. I do I honestly believe a full strength Michigan State with Malik Hall is right now my pick as the second best team in this league. And you could say I got my homer glasses on, whatever, but I firmly no, I believe so. that. I think yeah. it's true. Now they don't have him right now. We don't know when, when, if they're gonna get him back. I think the team as it's currently constructed has certainly shown us one thing. The defense is probably fixed, even without Malik. I mean, yes. this is this is now two straight games without him, you know, against Purdue and against Rutgers, where they've defended very, very well. So I'm reasonably confident that it, with this group, they're going to continue to be at the very least a solid defensive team and maybe better than that. So that's a good sign. What that means is that they're fully capable of still winning a lot of games. But, you know, as I think we talked about when the news broke about Malik, you probably put Big Ten title contention thoughts to the side for now. And you just concentrate on being the best team you can be by March, hopefully getting Malik back and reacclimated, And then you roll the dice and you see where it takes you. Yeah. But I still like this team and I think they're giving people a lot of reason to like what they're seeing. They're a fun team to watch. And actually I misspoke and, and Purdue is five and zero at home uh, on the road and two and one at home. What's interesting is four of those wins, Nebraska and Minnesota. So you're going to, that's true. You know, maybe that's true. Maybe, you're not, not, maybe it's not that impressive. I don't know. And one is Penn state. This is, this is my point, right? So who are the other games been against? Okay. They played Rutgers. They got beat. They played Michigan state. They maybe should have been beat. Um, who was the other game? If you're looking at their schedule, I know there was another one. So, they, so they, so they, so they beat Minnesota, they Minnesota at home. Then they beat Nebraska on the road in overtime. Then they lost to Rutgers at home. One at Ohio State by two. That was the one. It was at Ohio yeah. State. And look, Ohio State is two and five now, I think, right? Yeah, I mean, they're, their season, yeah, they're in a tailspin. Season seems they've lost five straight. Their season seems to be skidding into oblivion. You know who I don't want to be? And I haven't even looked at their schedule. I don't want to be the team that plays Ohio State next. Because no, no the kidding. way this season no is question. going, they're yeah. probably going to lay a whipping on somebody. Um, yeah. But that's, that's the thing. If you go by the standings, 
Purdue, that's five of their games have been played against the, the three worst teams in the conference, right? Yeah. You said two against Minnesota, two against Nebraska, one against yep. Ohio State. And Penn State, Ohio State, Rutgers, and Michigan State. That's Yeah, yeah. so I mean, really, yeah, Rutgers and Michigan State, they've played teams that are in the upper echelon at the moment, but... You know, they haven't they haven't seen Illinois. They haven't seen Indiana, which is always, uh, you know, that two state those, rivalry home and home there. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It, it's it, it remains to be seen how things sort out. But regardless of what happens with Purdue, I, I I like I like where this Michigan State team is. I like what we've seen from them now in two full games without Malik Call. Um, right that it doesn't it doesn't feel to me like the the sky is falling at all well i think we'll wrap it up there uh, in a game where it was a rainy kind of murky day getting to the same as a nice outcome and where the horn broke for i don't know yeah. it was like 10 minutes yeah, we in that game that. yeah i actually turned to my friend who was seeing and i said boy this blows and he said uh, this is what your wife has to deal with all the time. I said, yeah, that's pretty much <laughs> what it's like. So I apologize. But anyway, um, uh, yeah. one, one quick, uh, one quick teaser before we, uh, before we go. So, Oh yeah, let's do um, it. And I've already mentioned this on the Spartan mag board, but uh, I might as well mention it here for those who don't read that. Um, so we recorded an interview last night with uh, MSU 2023 recruit, Garrick Norman. Uh, which is going to run next week at some point. We've got to we've got to get through this condensed schedule. It's a of, grind of games because with Indiana on Sunday, we can't really run it yet because we want people. We don't want to slip through the cracks. It's too good. And and trust me, I'll just tease with this. Uh, you are going to want to hear this because he is a great interview already as a 17, 18 year old kid. And for an MSU fan, it is uh, it is going to be enjoyable, to say the least, to listen to this one, because this is a guy who's got a great deal of enthusiasm for for life in general, it seems to me, um, for Michigan State basketball in particular. He seems legitimately thrilled to be a part of this program, and he's got a lot of interesting things to say that you're going to want to hear. And, uh, and he's got a sense of humor to boot. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's a really, really good one. I encourage everybody who's hearing this, do yourself a favor. When we roll that one out next week, give it a listen. Absolutely. Or you can watch online too, or you can go to our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe and like there. You can also watch most of our, our, uh, our videos are just audio, but the ones, the interviews we have had, uh, with actual video with people on it. So it's a way to, uh, different way to enjoy the show. And, um, you know, that's, again, that's why I hope you support the show and you like it. I mean, aside from listening and sharing with your friends, that's, that's what we, we can bring all this extra stuff and it makes it fun for us too. So, well, next will be Indiana. The preview will be coming out soon. So until next time, the final four is on the schedule. Go green. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.